Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoyed this 15-minute conversation between myself and Evergreen senior analyst, Garman Howell. And as always, thanks for listening. All views and opinions expressed by the host and any guests of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen Golf Cal. Evergreen Golf Cal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, I'm excited to have Garman Howell back to the podcast. Garman is a senior analyst at Evergreen. Garman, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Jeff. Happy holidays. Hope uh, hope the holiday season is treating you well. Yeah, likewise. We've been uh, enjoying a lot of the festivities with our four young kids. It's it's always fun to see the holidays through the eyes of your of your children. It makes it so uh, such a magical time of the year. And as we're recording this, there's snowflakes coming down here in the greater Seattle area. So it very much feels festive. Very much so. And busy time for parents, as you well know. And hopefully we'll have a good season. Yeah, busy time for parents, busy time for kids, and obviously a very busy time for investors. Um, and so I'm excited to get your thoughts here as we're, as we're closing in on what's been a very eventful year here in 2022. Uh, I want to talk later in the podcast just about what's been happening in the market and what we're, what we're headed into. But one uh, portfolio related thing while I have you, I I wanted to just ask you about tax loss harvesting. So, you know, it's a theme that we hear about. Um, I'm sure a lot of it, I'm sure a lot of listeners that uh, listen, subscribe to the podcast uh, that are managing their own money uh, are interested in the concept of it. And so I'm just curious, is there any uh, specific way that we go about tax loss harvesting that you'd like to talk about? And then in addition to that, what other kind of year-end tips would you recommend to investors? Yeah, I think, you know, on the topic of tax loss harvesting, I think it's important to kind of say before I get into the explanation of, you know, it's a case-by-case uh, circumstance, both on the kind of the account level, personal circumstances, but also on the security level. Um, you know, not every kind of account is going to be useful uh, or find use in tax loss harvesting. Um, so just kind of putting that out of the way, tax loss harvesting is kind of a, a good way to accomplish potentially two things. One thing is to offset any potential gains that you have on the year. Um, now, in a year like this, uh, it could be tough to find some gains um, if you haven't had a particularly good year. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it might sound like it's not very useful in that circumstance, but um, you can also use it to, to offset some taxable um taxable income as well. So um, those are kind of the, the potential benefits, but uh, you know, kind of the, the mechanism behind it is, and I should stress that we do this throughout the year, but of course it does ramp up towards the end of the year as we kind of get a better picture as to what gains we have in any kind of client account that we have. But particularly kind of in the, you know, third and fourth quarter in general, we try to find opportunities to offset our clients taxable gains or income with whichever one it may be. Um, you know, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, you know, say you have a, you know, a 20% loss in one security. Um, you could obviously just sell it and sit in cash, um, and park that, you know, money that you just uh, received from that sale in cash, realize that taxable loss. Um, and then rebuy in 31 days. Now, the risk you take in doing that is um, if the market um, pops up while you're waiting those 31 days, you're obviously not going to be participating in that move up. So one one thing we like to do when it's a, kind of applicable 
um, is to find either a related security, something that has very similar to exposure, either from an industry level or kind of a company-specific level, um, and rotate the sale proceeds into that security for 31 days, and then we reverse that after. Um, so we try to maintain kind of equivalent exposure throughout those 31 days just in case there is a move up in that type of security um, or in the market in general. Another way to do it um, would just to be, you know, sell whatever security you're looking at um, and buy a, a total market uh, ETF um, or something that has, uh, you know, an ETF that has very similar exposure. So if you're looking at something like um, an oil field service, um, so you're going to maintain substantially the same, uh, you know, kind of exposure, um, yet still be able to realize that um, taxable gain or sorry, excuse me, loss. Um, but it, it is something that, you know, you should be aware of, um, you know, kind of make sure that it's right for the account that you're looking at. Um, and obviously, you know, consult with a you know, tax professional um, and financial advisor to make sure it makes sense for that security and, and that you're not um, adjusting your portfolio um, in a way that you might not want to, especially heading into the kind of the, the end of the year. Yeah, and obviously there's no benefit in doing any of this in a Roth or an IRA, which is sort of what you highlighted earlier, but, you know, exclusively focused on taxable accounts. Um, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of my clients, a lot of investors are like, no, 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 I, you know, I didn't sell any securities this year, but what they don't realize is like maybe they sold a house or maybe they sold something else that created a capital gain for them and they could use security losses if they have them to offset some of those gains, but that needs to all happen in the same calendar year, which is why we always make a big push at the end of the year. If there's the opportunity to, to harvest losses right at the end of the year in the ways that you're describing. So um, obviously if you're going to hire and work with a firm like Evergreen, uh, that's kind of comes to the territory in terms of our team being very proactive on that. Um, but for again, the listeners that, uh, subscribe to our podcast that are doing it on their own, it's just a tip that we would recommend focusing on or at least paying some attention to and see if there's value you can grab from that. Um, I want to shift into markets. Uh, how, you know, let's talk about the last, you know, few weeks, last month or so. How is the year wrapping up for markets? You know, what's kind of the latest of what we're hearing from the Fed? You know, are you expecting there to be any Santa Claus rally from, you know, between here and year end or kind of where do things stand uh, in markets right now? Yeah, it's it's been quite a year. Um, obviously, you know, I think it's a little bit helpful to, to zoom out a little bit, um, put it in perspective, kind of what's happened throughout the year and then kind of how we how we started Q4 and how we're progressing through it. Um, I think the, it should come as no surprise to anyone that, you know, the main focus of markets throughout most of the year and, you know, including right now, um, was inflation. Um, inflation obviously has peaked out to, to 40 year highs, um, and, you know, caused the Fed to, to raise rates at a very rapid pace. Um, so, so, so throughout most of the year, equity markets and fixed income markets have been grappling with kind of these very drastic changes um, with the Fed raising rates at a very quick pace um, and inflation seemingly very stubborn, stubbornly high. Now, kind of we, we had that first bear market rally in the beginning of the, the summer, um, really middle of June. Um, that lasted through um, kind of the middle of August. And, you know, that rally made sense. It was kind of an oversold market at that point. And if you go towards, you know, more Q4, start of Q4, that rally dissipated when um, we saw kind of a, a fresh low on September 30th. Um, and we really did kind of see a, a fourth quarter rally here up through uh, the end of November. Um, and it looked like, a, you know, it could be a very strong quarter uh, for markets, both fixed income and equity. Um, and we have, you know, fairly good reason um, for that rally, um, you know, that two-month rally that we saw 
you know, for one, um, you know, corporate bond spreads uh, kind of tightened a little bit, you know, overall interest rates, uh, you know, 10, 10 year moved down a little bit, although very elevated versus where it started the year. Um, you know, we've seen inflation start to trickle down. You know, we, we may have seen kind of peak inflation earlier this year. Um, so a lot of the kind of the major headwinds to, to markets uh, dissipated uh, to some extent um, this quarter. Now, Starting uh, December, uh, that rally kind of fizzled out, um, and, you know, we're obviously entering a very low liquidity um, environment heading into the kind of the last week of the year. Um, and it's, it tends to be a time when we see that Santa Claus rally, that little boost to markets towards the end of the year. Um, and a lot of that's driven by low liquidity levels um, in general, uh, you know, tax loss harvesting and, and other ropes, you know, portfolio rotations um, have been completed by now. And, and you've, you generally uh, see a lot more buying pressure than selling pressure. This year, it's a little different, you know, with, with inflation starting to trend down a little bit um, and overall economic data coming in a little bit better than expected. I think markets are squarely focused on what's going to happen in 2023, um, what's going to happen with the Fed, um, you know, are they going to continue to raise rates or, you know, um, are, is kind of the market going to be a little bit more correct in, in predicting where rates are going to be, you know, kind of to start 2023, but also to end 2023, probably most importantly. Um, you know, currently the market's uh, pricing in a bit of a pivot. You know, forecasting uh, implied interest rates to to kind of start declining in the second half of 2023. Um, that's obviously a, a big, uh, you know, and a big part driven by inflation expectations starting to trend down, but also because economic activity has started to, to slow down a little bit. You know, we've seen a lot of these leading indicators and overall fundamental um, economic um, data points come in a little bit better than expected, but they're still slowing. Um, and so I think the market's really focused on whether the the, the Fed has tightened to a sufficient degree, one, to, to kind of lower inflation, but also not to push the economy into a recession. And I think at this moment, um, you know, the market's taking a bit of a breather and reassessing what the probability, uh, you know, what they feel the probability is for a recession in 2023. Um, you know, one thing I should say is the, the Fed has been talking very tough um, and talking about how they want to, um, one, slow the, the, the pace of rate hikes, which we saw in the last meeting. It was 50 basis points versus 75. Um, which is definitely a shift down, but um, the Fed is very intent on on bringing inflation down and have noted and kind of throughout this year um, in their meetings that they want to keep their uh, treasury rates a little bit higher than uh, the market may prefer um, and for longer. Now, history kind of contradicts that, and I think that's kind of what the market's expecting next year is to kind of see a, a gradual um, decline in, in interest rates throughout the second half of the year. Um, you know, history shows that once the, the Fed funds rate peaks out, uh, the Fed tends to cut within six months. Um, and, you know, compounding on that, the, the cuts generally offset every bit of rate increases that we saw in that tightening cycle. So a lot of moving parts um, and, and the market's really trying to digest exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to play out. But if you look at kind of valuations on the equity side, you know, they're kind of mid range for versus the last 10, 20 years. Um, you know, it's, it's a decent, decent time to, to continue, you know, dollar cost averaging into this market. Um, you know, valuations are pretty reasonable, although with the caveat being, 
uh, earnings estimates and, and revenue estimates may be a little bit high um, going into to next year. Um, you know, I, we mentioned a little bit earlier that some of these uh, economic data points are slowing, um, so it's going to be it's tough to to kind of achieve a pretty healthy growth rate um, in 2023 if if overall demand is is slowing as we've started to see from you know several companies throughout the year. Um, but again, decent time to, to continue um, dollar cost averaging in. The, the consumer is still in pretty decent shape. Um, on the fixed income side, you know, while yields have come down um, a little bit, um, interest rates are also um, pretty elevated. So on a comparative basis, you know, it makes sense to, to continue looking for opportunities. But, you know, it definitely slowed the, uh, the the pace of buying on the fixed income side as rates have come down a little bit or yields have come down a little bit, excuse me. But in general, you know, a lot of things are, are going well um, in the economy. You know, as I mentioned, consumer balance sheets are pretty strong. Overall, corporate balance sheets look pretty resilient as well at this point. Um, but there is a question of how how much um, economic activity will slow um, in the coming year. Um, and there's a little bit of debate on that. So I think that's kind of the, dr- the driver behind this latest uh, dip in markets, um, but also because we had, you know, fairly substantial bear market rally. Um, you know, it's kind of a logical pullback here. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, and, and maybe just to, to bottom line that, you're saying that for much of this year, the, the markets have traded on like the inflation interest rate theme. We've gotten a little bit of relief there as of late that the market has rallied into. And now the market's potentially refocusing on earnings moving forward and coming to the realization that earnings might not look as great uh, over the coming months and maybe is giving back some ground a little bit. Um, so would you say that's a fair recap in terms of just like this year as a whole and where we're headed? Yes, absolutely. And as a result of market activity, it's created at least this isn't just in the view of Evergreen, right? It's created a pretty good buying opportunity for fixed income securities. Um, and whereas we've potentially seen the high in yields, maybe we'll see um, about a month or so ago. And even though there's still attractive fixed income securities in the market, they're not as, as attractive as they were just a few weeks ago, but they're certainly more attractive than what we've seen pretty much at any time over the last five years, right? Fair recap? Absolutely. Yeah, very good recap. And then on the equity side, so I'm talking about stocks, right? So on the equity side, because of the volatility um, and because of the uh, because of the risks that are still out there, a dollar cost averaging strategy at this point would make sense uh, and, and certainly look for potentially even better bargains ahead. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So let's, I, I think that's, that's probably a really good recap in terms of like where have markets been? What has this year brought? You know, if, if you just wanted to bottom line it in a way that's digestible in terms of moving forward, what are kind of like the two or three kind of key things that investors should be paying attention to going into 2023? And this will be last question. Yeah, and I think we touched on it a little bit. You know, I think kind of the number one thing on the equity side is to see um, how demand holds up through the end of the year. So, you know, how how strong will the holiday season be and what implications does it have for companies in 2023? Um, obviously, if demand continues to soften through the re- end of the year, 
you know, we could see a little bit um, heavier revisions downward on on revenue and, and earnings, um, which would obviously cause the market to to sell off a little bit. Um, now, if it's a stronger period of sale, you know, holiday season, um, you know, buoyed by you know potential you know respite and and inflation coming down a little bit, but also because you know inventories in general are very elevated at the point at this point, um, so we could see some some offloading. Of inventories, a little bit of a, a clearing out event. Um, you know, so, so those are a couple of things that it, it could go either way at this point. I think the data, you know, hasn't come in yet and, um, you know, could, could really be a good thing for the market, but it could also, um, offer that really attractive buying opportunity, um, and potentially kind of cement a, a decent, decent opportunity to, to really lock in some, some good value. I think in general, uh, you know, the Fed's going to continue to be top of mind. Uh, the, the Fed has, Kind of stated their intention um, to continue to raise rates uh, to to continue to combat inflation, um, but they've also you know been very adamant that they're going to keep rates a little bit higher than than the market's currently expecting for longer. Um, whether they're able to do that is going to be uh, kind of a wild card. It's obviously going to depend on the data that comes out you know between now and call it you know. June of, of 2023. Um, but that's another thing is to keep a close eye on kind of what the Fed's saying in their meetings, how they're reacting to new incoming data, um, and whether, you know, inflation continues to trend down in the, in the fashion that it has over the last five or six months. Um, those are pretty key, uh, fundamental, um, things to watch out for. And I think in general, um, you know, be on the lookout for, um, bargains and blue chips. Um, you know, we've seen quite a few, uh, very high quality companies sell off in major ways. Um, and while the demand picture may be a little bit fuzzy at the moment, um, you know, any kind of pullback in those blue chip kind of names, um, you know, should be a very good opportunity for, for investors, um, you know, looking out two to three years. Um, so just, Kind of keep an eye out for for incoming data and kind of react accordingly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, all the conversations I've been having with clients and uh, other investors, it's just been, you know, the lumps that they've taken so far in 2022 and how they've weathered the storm and the position that they're in moving forward and sort of preparing them for potentially continued volatility, right, in the markets for the coming few weeks, few months, but that at least on the fixed income side, one benefit of this sell-off is that at least for retirees or those that need income or cash flow from their portfolios, it's like that's finally available in markets again. I know that for much of my career here, it's been almost 15, you know, over 15 years at Evergreen, for much of my career, finding any sort of livable income, cash flow, yield, uh, was really, really tough um, because of where interest rates were. And we're finally in a period now where retirees that need income from their portfolios, it's like that's readily available finally again in markets and so might be worth um it might be worth while the dust is still settling on whatever's going to happen with the economy moving forward and wherever the stock market is going to end up uh you know being in a position where you're getting a, a lot of income and a lot of yield off your portfolio for the time being um in a way that the markets are finally uh available for so i know that everyone's doing their best right not just here but anywhere and this has been a year unlike anything I've seen in 15 years. I know that I'm sure for you as well in terms of uh, just 
what how many asset classes have gotten hit and the severity of that and and again the opportunities that that creates and uh so i appreciate you and and obviously everybody at our on our team for your diligent work this year seems like in many cases it's around the clock from very early to very late uh given market conditions but um that's what clients rely on us for so i really appreciate your dedication and a lot of your insights that you shared today so thanks for jumping on here with us i really appreciate it yeah, thanks for having me on, Jeff, and I appreciate all your hard work as well, and you do a great job with these podcasts, so uh, hopefully we can keep coming uh, with good content in the new year. Absolutely. Yeah, this might be the last one. So for those of you that are listening, thanks for uh, being with us this year. It's been a year, like I said earlier, that's been almost anything like any anyone that we, that works here has been through, but fortunate to work with some some pretty bright people that are following things closely and and i hope that you guys have found these podcasts resourceful and insightful along the way we'll keep them coming uh in the new year and wish you and yours a very wonderful holiday season and a very happy new year and let's uh, look forward to a really good year ahead so cheers to everybody cheers thanks jeff Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.